Welcome back, everyone. This is Arthur Staple, your host of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Uh, we don't really have a ton of news, um, even on the speculative front in the last week. We've had some great guests the last few weeks, and we thought we'd take this week to just answer some of your questions via Twitter. Got a good, uh, a good roll of questions uh, about a variety of topics. Uh, and a couple of them had to do with the proposed, really the closest thing that there is to news right now um, on Tuesday, is the proposal from the league that I think is still being discussed about holding the amateur draft June 5th and 6th, so basically a month from now, regardless of what's going on with the resumption of the season or if they're going to cancel the season, trying to find regional sites, all of these things that I think a lot of people have read about and and have tried to chew over, but really it's all just speculation. Um so we got a couple of questions, one from my good friend Wayne, uh, and I hope he's doing well and staying safe. His question, if the draft is moved to early June uh, with the season continuing later, how will this affect the Islanders' plans for next year with their cap situation? And then B. Garzi, Brian G., who is always good asking questions, why is the NHL trying to rush the draft in early June? Don't understand unless the, the need unless they're trying to take advantage of the television exposure. Uh, I'll answer Brian's first since it's a little more basic. Yes, you answered your own question. It is for the television exposure. I imagine that Rogers, uh, the uh, television partner in Canada and NBC, the television partner in the States, probably more so Rogers because I don't think they've had a lot of stuff uh, that's Canadian centric to really deal with right now. I mean, the NFL draft was nice, but that's more of an American phenomenon. Um, I imagine that there were a lot of conversations about getting something out there that was good programming content and something that could draw the fans in that's more concrete than wondering whether they're going to come back or not. And the league is, uh, needs some revenue. And I, you know, Rogers is already paid, obviously, and NBC is already paid. But I can't imagine that if there's nothing going out over the air that uh, that, that money stays in the NHL's coffers. So, um, you know, there's a financial issue. And from a safety standpoint, as we're still just a couple months into the pandemic and it doesn't seem to be leveling off or going, in, you know, going down in any part of North America in any significant way just yet to allow games to be played, um, you can have a virtual draft, which is what the NFL showed us uh, just a few weeks ago, that you can uh, have it done remotely. You know, Gary Bettman can, can get booed uh, remotely and they can raise money for charity, as happened with Roger Goodell. The teams can put in their their cameras in their war rooms, I guess, or uh, in Lou Lamarillo's case, just in his very uh, expansive office at Northwell Health. Um, make their picks. They can have some cameras in the in the homes of some of the higher ranked kids, and um, you know these aren't necessarily outside of a couple of them guys that are going to go straight to the NHL. And you have to figure out the draft lottery and and uh, reading some of the stories from TSN and Sportsnet and from our own Pierre LeBron about how they're going to run that draft lottery. It's uh, since the season isn't officially done, they'd have to do it a little bit more like it used to be, where one team wins the lottery and can only move up four spots. So that really weights it very heavily in the favor of, say, Detroit, who's uh, far and away the worst team in the league this year in getting the number one pick. Ottawa has two picks that are in the you know, that could necessarily be in the top five of their own in San Jose's. They also have the Islanders pick, um, which is a conditional pick. And there's some jockeying that's going to go on around some of those conditional trades. I don't think there's really much to do with the Islanders trade for J.G. Paggio at the deadline. Uh, that pick is top three protected. The Islanders under that draft lottery scenario, even if they're not included in a 16-team playoff, uh, and that's still to be determined if if that's going to even happen or how it's going to look. Um, but they can't move up 
as many enough spots. I think they're currently sitting with the 18th pick in the league. So that 18th pick would go to Ottawa, uh, satisfying the demands of that trade. There is that third round pick if they win the Stanley Cup, but um, that one would have to probably be put off till 2021. And again, if the Islanders win a Stanley Cup, even in a strangely resumed summer season, I don't think anyone will care that that pick is going to Ottawa. So um, I am generally speaking one of the people that's in favor of having the draft. It sounds like a lot of the general managers and the front offices are not in favor of it because it sort of alters their timeline. But if you're not dealing with altered timelines as a team general manager or owner or just as a regular human being right now after two months of this, uh, then you're not living in reality because things are different. Sports are going to be different uh, even when we get out of this um, as far as fans not being in the building and players being quarantined. Um, so I think doing this in this strange time out of order is not the worst idea in the world. In fact, it's a pretty good idea. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of close, interested fans, even of the Islanders who are missing their first round pick and their second round pick from the Andy Green, from the Peugeot trade, um, will be will be excited to see what, what goes down this year. So, you know, it's uh, – and the fact is you can still make trades – at this uh, at this draft, it's just you're going to lose a guy right away. Um, you know that doesn't preclude you from doing it. And the Islanders do have a couple of people that they might be willing to let go, even if the season is going to resume. I don't think it includes someone like Nick Letty, let's say, who um, you know you, you might need to think about trading in the proper off season when it comes time to make room for Noah Dobson on the in the top six. Um, but it might include. Somebody a little bit further down the food chain, Sebastian Ajo, maybe, uh, Kiefer Bellows, maybe, as far as forwards go, uh, to try to recoup one of those higher picks. Um, if you can get another third for one of those guys or even a second, that uh, that might be intriguing at this draft. And you're not necessarily losing someone off your roster because once the games get going, they'll be healthy again. Um, you know, Casey Zizekas will be back. Johnny Boychuk will be back. Adam Pellick might even be back. We have a couple questions about him coming up, so we'll address those in a little bit. But um, I think there's uh, there's still some intrigue around the Islanders if we did have a draft next month, and certainly lots of intrigue around the league. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily one who uh, advocates for huge swings in the draft lottery either. You know, if the Red Wings end up with the number one pick and they take Alexis Lafreniere. I got no problem with that. The Red Wings are terrible. They're in total rebuild. It's still going to be several years before they get good. Even if they're included in some sort of wacko playoff system uh, this summer that where that includes every team and they win a couple rounds, so what? It's it's really not that big a deal. You know, they're the worst team. Uh, they deserve a good chance at, the, at, at a top pick. I think we've seen in the last few years teams that have finished a little bit further down have won the lottery to move up and... Uh, that causes some some grumbling as well. So, um, you know, and to and to answer Wayne's question about uh, the Islanders' plans for next season with the cap, we don't know what the cap is going to be next year. So I don't know how it affects their plans. I'm sure that they would be happy to unload someone that's uh, going to be a burden on whatever the salary cap is for next year. Uh, if they could trade Andrew Ladd at this at this June draft, I'm sure they'd be happy to. I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, you know, if they got an offer, a first round pick offer for a Nick Letty, maybe for a team that 
wants a, wants Nick Letty in their lineup when the season resumes to try to make a run at it. That would be really interesting to me. Sort of treating this as like um almost like a second trade deadline. I think that would be kind of exciting. I don't see it happening, but uh, but maybe there's uh, you know something gets offered that that gives Lou Lamarillo a little bit of uh, pause because. He is going to have to cut some corners in terms of the salary cap. We know it's not going to go up. It's probably going to stay the same or even go down, even if there are compliance buyouts to get rid of some extra salaries like an Andrew Ladd. They've got to sign three guys uh, in Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pollock, and Devon Taves who are pretty important to what they do. They're still going to cost big money, and uh, they're already at $70 million in commitments for next season against the cap. And if we're at 81 and a half, which it is right now, or even lower than that, um, then they're going to have to shed a little bit. So, um, you know, I think I think the draft won't have the same level of intrigue that it does in years past. Um, but I still think it would be something that, uh, that that would get a lot of attention in a good way. And I think the league would allow the league to kind of get out of this freeze a little bit and move forward with some some interest. And uh, instead of just sort of waiting and wondering when they're going to start, when they might have to stop again after starting. Uh, it's not just about the games because the off season really is something that's you know that certainly holds a ton of interest. Having done this job for a long time, I get almost as many questions from fans about the draft and free agency as I do about things that happen during the season. So I, for one, am for it. I like the questions, and uh, I hope uh, we hear in the next day or two that this is a go. If you're bored in the house, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Shaving is about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. So now we'll talk about uh, some of the players in the system and on the team. Um, our friend JG is... Uh, asking me about Sebastian Ajo and Linus Soderstrom, uh, saying that uh, recent interviews from Sweden say that they're unhappy in their current situations. Adding J- Josh Hosang to that list, is there something rotten in Bridgeport and Worcester? The logjam and talent argument doesn't hold with this team, unfortunately. It's true. We just did a, a pretty deep dive on uh, anyone that could be considered a prospect, whether they played uh, in the college or junior ranks this past year or in the pro ranks, which was a lot of uh, the Islanders' prospects since they had a few of their younger guys playing uh, in Bridgeport. Um, rotten, no. It's just a, it's a thin system. It's it, There's a few really promising guys and a lot of guys that are not necessarily close to sure bets to even making the NHL in any shape or form. So uh, Sebastian Ajo's interview, I did read that translated uh, interview. I don't think he's unhappy. I think he's unhappy that he hasn't made the NHL yet, but he did sound like he was not going to go back to Sweden. He wanted to give North America another try, and he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. This is going to be his third contract. Um, so we'll see uh, We'll see where it shakes out. He doesn't have very, really a ton of experience outside of those 22 games his first season uh, in 17-18 to lean on. Been a very good AHL player. Um, 
He did not have a good camp this past year, so I hadn't, don't think he's shown the the current regime of Lou Lamarill and Barry Trotz that he's a, a regular NHLer right now. He certainly got called up a ton this year to just be a, an extra body in, in practice. Didn't get into a game. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, uh, you know, I don't think he's got a lot of leverage, and maybe he's more of a, a trade chip at this point, but I don't really think that's the case. And as far as Linus Soderstrom goes, uh, you know, a big goalie who – uh, had a lot of promise after he was drafted, um, led uh, his team in Sweden to a, a Swedish uh, version of the Stanley Cup with uh, a miraculous run at age 20, and uh, really hasn't played much since due to a variety of injuries, and that counts this year too. He only made four appearances for Worcester in the ECHL. They didn't go very well. He was shut down the rest of the year, um, spent the whole time in Bridgeport, but that's two years in a row now with hardly any playing, and uh, and for a goalie, that's uh, that's a real killer developmentally. So he's not really in a situation to make a lot of a lot of demands. If he ends up going back to Europe, it's because the Islanders weren't interested in keeping him around. They do have Jakob Skarik, who played over here at age twenty um, as a as a goalie prospect that this group has drafted in terms of Lamarillo overseeing it. So maybe they're a little higher on him now because uh, he stayed healthier, uh, got in a lot of games uh, in the ECHL and in the AHL due to some other injuries, and um, you know maybe it's just a matter of of Soderstrom dropping down the food chain a little bit because of those injuries. So, uh, and Josh Hosang did make our list of uh, of prospects mostly because he still his rights still belong to the Islanders, but I can't envision a, a future where he's playing as an Islander in the NHL. I I think he's still got a chance to play pro hockey. Um, I'm curious to see if the Islanders qualify him when the offseason comes around or whether they just say, thanks, uh, you're on your own, and whether someone else will sign him. Um, I think that would be the case. You know, he was he was loaned out to San Antonio towards the end of the AHL season before it shut down and, and seemed to do okay. Um, he certainly got the skill. So, you know, I don't think... Uh, I don't think things are going sideways uh, in the minor leagues in terms of development. Those are, you know, Sebastian Ajo is a, a good defenseman, just not good enough for the NHL as far as the NHL people are concerned. Can't do anything about his size, which is really his biggest uh, drawback. Soderstrom was hurt, and Josh Hosang is Josh Hosang. We've certainly talked about that enough on this program and, and written about it enough. So not the uh, not the easiest examples to make a whole, uh, you know, a whole trend out of. And now we'll, uh, we've got a lot of questions about Ilya Sorokin, who, as of today, May 5th, is uh, basically a f- not a free agent, but free to sign with the Islanders. Uh, his KHL contract ended last week. Uh, there's still nothing doing, uh, according to various people um, around him on a contract. It, it, there's some question as to whether, and I certainly got these questions from a few people, that because he's an Islander draft pick and under their reserve on their reserve list that he could potentially play this season if he signed or more importantly for him sign a contract for 2019-20 have his entry level deal which would be one year burned off without him necessarily playing and then be a restricted free agent for 2021 and sign whatever deal he wanted to sign my understanding is that's not the case uh that could change or be different um Hard to hard to get someone to answer that question right now, just because the league is focused a lot more on return to play possibilities and the draft and things like that. But but my understanding is uh, even even drafted players who are whose rights are owned are are not necessarily allowed to sign deals for that start this season. Um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to revisit that <clears throat> in the near future and see uh, 
see if that's the case. If it is the case, I'm sure that's partly the holdup because the Islanders don't necessarily want uh, want to burn that year and have to pay him a little bit more. Like we were saying earlier, the, the cap situation is going to be dicey next season, so they would love to have uh, their one B goalie, their star of the future, be here on a regular old you know entry level contract of less, little less than a million dollars, with some potential bonuses worked in. Um, but that would be a big cost savings to help them in some other way. A couple questions from uh, Anthony McCarthy and uh, Matt Kammerer about Adam Pellick, where he is in his rehab, and if the season restarts in, in a couple months, would he be good to go? I, I imagine that he would be physically ready. Um, you know, Those Achilles injuries are not a full-year thing. It would be about six months if they get back on the ice in July. I think the biggest drawback, I suppose, would be whether, you know, a guy that's been off that long, everyone else has been off for a long time too, but but someone like that who's, um, you know, been rehabbing necessarily, but not necessarily skating, I'm, I'm not really sure what his deal is if he's been around and been allowed on the ice. That, that was uh, one of the exemptions early on that players who were rehabbing could continue to do that, but uh, not too sure that that's continued. Um so if he's been able to skate, then maybe we're in a different situation right now. But if he hasn't and he's just been doing off-ice stuff, that's a long time to be off the ice, uh, to jump right back in. And that's a big risk for a guy who's obviously very important to them. So uh, I'd be curious to see how the Islanders proceed. Uh, when Lou Lamarillo talked about it uh, earlier during the the hiatus, he didn't give any indication that Adam Pellick would be ready to go back. He said Sezikis and Boychuk would from their injuries, but not Pellick. Um, so we'll see if that's changed. You know, the timeline is, uh, is going a little bit further right now. Um, and I think maybe if there's some regular season games that they can try to fit in before the postseason, maybe that's an opportunity to give him a game that's, um, you know, maybe not quite as, uh, high pressure as whatever sort of playoffs will look like, uh, in uh, late summer, early fall. Um, so yeah, it's that's obviously a, a a big contributor and someone that they need uh, in their lineup. But uh, in this strange situation that uh, that everyone's in right now, it's you wonder whether long term health is better than uh, than a little short term gain. Um, got a couple questions about um, Jay Dugan here talking about asking if there's a rollback in player salary and ticket prices, since most likely almost hundred percent of the fans will have been affected financially by the pandemic and are probably very concerned about their personal finances, yet they would also love to have some live entertainment. That is a difficult question. And I think that's one that a lot of people, a lot of teams are wrestling with. I mean, technically these games haven't been canceled yet. I think that's part of the, situation there was another question about why won't the the teams give refunds on the games that are already paid for it's because they haven't been canceled yet um and as far as rolling back um you know that's a difficult one that's these are cba negotiations i mean there's going to be clawing back in the in the way of escrow which is part of the cba um there's going to be big clawbacks from from the ownership side especially if these games do get canceled and if they do get canceled then people get their get their money back. And I'm curious to see uh, when we get into next season, if it's going to start in November or December, we obviously don't know six, six months out here, what uh, the pandemic, the state of the pandemic is going to be like. Uh, will there be a vaccine? Will there be groups allowed to mingle? Um, so it's, it's hard to say, but if you're restricting the number of fans, we think we see some of that, we're going to see some of that 
soon in uh, in Asia and their pro sports and their baseball games, they're going to let limited numbers of fans go in. If you let limited numbers of fans go in, um, you know, or what are we going to charge? The, you know, what's the team going to charge? What what seems fair given the the economic state of uh, our area and the and the world at large? Man, I do not know, and I uh, it it bends my brain to to try to think about that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, in in addition to all the other things that we all have to think about: family, safety, jobs, day to day life, shopping, all the you know, food shopping, all those other things. So, um, it is a great question, and I'm curious to see what they do if if it's only a thousand to two thousand fans let into each game in 2021. Um, how they're going to handle that in terms of concessions, how they'll handle that in terms of ticket prices and parking prices, and will it be will people just be welcomed in, uh, you know, first come, first serve. I don't know. It's um, it, We're entering into really uncharted territory in terms of live sporting events. So uh, we'll have to see where that goes. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. A couple questions about possible compliance buyouts, and if I think of a, a player who might uh, get a compliance buyout if uh, if those are enacted for next season, you know Andrew Ladd obviously comes to mind first, still with three years left on his deal. Um, Johnny Boychuk has two years left on his deal. Uh, Leo Komarov has uh, has two years left on his deal. So um, there's a couple of there's a couple of candidates that jump right out. Boychuk obviously doesn't jump out because because he's ineffective or not a welcome part of the team. It's just simply the salary and the, the spot he takes up that could be occupied by Noah Dobson. So uh, Ladd, I think, still stands out as the one that's that's the most obvious. And really, because his contract is is mostly signing bonus, uh, it's buyout proof when, under the regular terms. So you'd have to want that compliance buyout to be there. Um you know, and he did score a goal in the last game that we that we saw before the break, and uh, he was preparing to be be a, a part of the team just because of some of the injuries. Um, so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens uh, when they officially announce next season. Um, interesting question from Hillel: If the season is canceled, could there be compensatory draft picks for teams that traded picks for rentals? Uh, I like the idea. You know, there is there. You know, compensatory picks are a part of the draft in the NFL and Major League Baseball. I don't think they do it in the NHL because you know it's it's buyer beware at the trade deadline, and I understand nobody could have foreseen this this situation coming. But um, you know, you got what you got out of them, and uh, you know, I think in terms of 
seeing, you know, may, maybe for 2021, there'd be some sort of uh, allowance for teams that did do that. Um, I'm sure that they're the teams that did make those kind of trades, the Islanders included trading for Andy Green. Um, it would be interesting, but I think Andy Green is, is a possibility to re-sign with them just as a depth seven, you know, seven or eight guy. Um, ben Cohen did ask about Andy Green and the possibility of him resigning um, and possibilities of compensation for the trade from the NHL. You know, I'd, if he doesn't sign, you know, maybe there is a, a way to add later round picks uh, to compensate for that, whether it's a fourth or a fifth, depending on um, the salary of the player that you traded for. Uh, I think that's a discussion that they're going to have. It's not going to be had right now, but I think down the road, it's one of the many, many things on the leagues and the players' associations to-do list. Uh, and whether he should resign, uh, I'm curious to see. I think you know, the, uh, being off for two months has probably made a lot of veteran guys who have no contract for next year think about whether whatever the players are going to have to do for either for the rest of this season or for next season in terms of quarantining and staying safe and and doing all the things that that we're all thinking about um that may make some guys rethink whether they want to continue playing so andy green's 38 he's made a lot of money in his career uh he's got a couple of young kids that he's been home with for a while there's there's a lot to there's a lot that goes into it so i'd be curious to see what his decision is and what the islanders decision is i think a, a one-year deal in the two you know Two, two million range, maybe a little less, maybe a little more because of the role that he'll probably have once Adam Pallack is back healthy. Um, it's interesting to, to, to think about. Um, I think he's definitely a candidate. They obviously still have Thomas Hickey uh, in the fold who kind of would have filled that role had he been healthy all year long. Um, but uh, but yeah, maybe maybe this is a situation where Lou prefers uh, prefers a guy that he's he's known for a long time to to fill that spot and be able to step up when needed. Um, Brian Schiazza, another another friend. I hope you're doing well, Brian, and everybody in your family staying safe. What is Garth Snow's story nowadays? Um, well, as far as I know, Garth is uh, like everybody else. He's home on Long Island with uh, with his family. Um, probably still sneaking out for a little golf uh, at a safe social distance because I don't know if anybody wants to go play golf with Garth, having played golf with him. Uh, he's a lot better than he used to be because he's got a little more free time in the last few years. And uh, and the chirping is just nonstop. So it's really it's really ridiculous. And for a terrible golfer like me, it just, I just get rattled. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's what he's doing. I think he's still got at least a year left uh, on that contract of his, maybe two. No one seems to know. Uh, he's certainly not saying. So um, until until there's another job for him in the NHL, I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. But um, still around, still around. Um, let's see. Try to get in a couple more. Um, NV has a question about: uh, Is there a zero sum situation with having a deep prospect pool and being in win now mode? Can't have guys like Simon Holmstrom and Oliver Wallstrom grow into top nine roles with, say, Taylor Hall and Zach Parise on the current roster, which path would the team choose? Well, I think they'd choose having the best players that they can have. And obviously that is, you know, that that sentence is kind of a cliche, but it has to have an asterisk because there is a salary cap. You can't just go out and trade for Zach Parise and sign Taylor Hall and not sacrifice anything uh, or, or ask your prospects like Wallstrom and Holmstrom to wait another year. Uh, it would probably cost them 
one of those guys uh, in a trade, not necessarily for Parise, but uh, but in terms of juggling what they need to juggle, they might have to sacrifice one or two of their young prospects to make things work um, in terms of the salary cap. Sending someone, you know, sending an extra contract somewhere and trying to sweeten it a bit because they're they don't have their first round or second round pick this year, and and next year they don't have their second round pick, so. Um, they're going to have to give up some assets to to make some space if they were to add any high caliber, high contract guys like Hall or Parise. So, um, you know, my general feeling is that there there's not a ton of patience, and I I say that uh, not as an insult to Lou Lamarello and Barry Trotz, but I think you know they want their guys to develop, but they're very they want them to develop. Uh, as slowly and properly as possible. So it's it, when I say there's no patience, I mean it's more um, they're not willing to put guys in the lineup before they're ready and live with their mistakes. They want them to work those kinks out before they get to the NHL. They've certainly proven that uh, with both of their track records in previous administrations and organizations. So um, I think they would prefer the Hall Parise route if you had to if you had to choose one or the other. But uh, but, you know, I don't think that's really realistic uh, in, in the current environment, you know, in, even in the environment before the pandemic and now certainly with a much tighter financial restrictions coming up in next year and the years to come, it certainly doesn't work. So they've got some they've got some decisions to make or even the salary cap could make some make those decisions for them. Uh, ben Cantor, I will go with this as our last question. Seeing as how New York is at the epicenter of the pandemic how much hesitation is there by the players in the New York area teams to resume the season? No one would blame them for being overly cautious considering where they live. Certainly a good question. And I, you know, I, when you see the, the list of cities that are either applying or be, being bandied about uh, as possible hub cities for when they try to resume or for the playoffs, um, you know, Eastern cities, more Toronto, Columbus, Raleigh, um, you know, by the by the time July rolls around, because of the tight uh, lockdown, tighter lockdown that they've had in the Northeast, I wonder if some of the places in the Northeast might not be better options than some of the places that are starting to already loosen their restrictions and and assume a spike in cases. You know, in Ohio, they're starting to open things back up, even as they've done a good job. It seems trying to keep. Uh, trying to keep people from moving around. So, you know, maybe players would be more hesitant to go there once they see the numbers start to change. Or even in Canada, uh, you know, maybe a, a smaller city rather than Toronto might be more appealing. Um, maybe it's less appealing for the people in that city in Canada or the or the premiers of the, the different provinces um, with all these influx of players and some coming from overseas where they have different sorts of lockdowns. It's... Uh, you know, we talked, I think I mentioned a little earlier, thinking about some of these things that are going to go on with tic tickets and fans it makes my head swim. This stuff, and it's more immediate, makes my head swim. And I don't know how you resolve it without knowing, without having as much information at your disposal as possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, talked to a couple guys who are who are quarantining uh, at their homes on Long Island. Some have left the area, but the ones that stayed... They might be feeling better about things after getting through kind of the worst of it in the last few weeks as the numbers are starting to slowly go down in Nassau and Suffolk and in the region. Um, maybe they'd be more concerned about leaving the, the, the their own lockdown here to go somewhere else where they're not so sure what's going on. So uh, it's just hard to get in somebody else's head right now and wonder about them uh, and wonder about 
whether we're going to see hockey again in the next couple of months because things seem to still be uh, growing in certain areas and, and lessening in others and um, lessening in some other countries and growing in other countries. And there's players scattered in, in so many different areas right now. So logistically, this is going to be a lot of heavy lifting on both uh, the league side, the team side, the players association side, and, and everybody's going to have to I hope make a decision that's the safest and the and the most correct one because it's uh it's it's certainly important. Anyway, um those are some good questions from everybody. Everybody's I'm sure feeling a little a little stir crazy right now about uh not just about hockey but about l- life in general. Um so Hopefully some of those answers were a little bit enlightening, um, and hopefully we'll get some news coming their way, whether it's about the draft or anything else in the next week or so. Got a, uh, an exciting mystery guest coming for our next show next week, so I hope you all tune in, and we'll tease it a little bit more next week. That's all we got for No Sleep Till Belmont, uh, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time.